0: working with songwriters one of the things i ask myself is is like you know what what really differentiates these professionally written songs from the songs that people will just write to satisfy themselves
1: How you doing, everybody? This is John Alexander, back with you once again for another edition of the Band Twango podcast, direct from our offices on Music Row here in Nashville. It's a pleasure to be bringing back somebody that we had talked to previously, and he's a gentleman by the name of Greg Riggle, who is an expert in the publishing world. Greg, welcome back to uh, Band Twango's podcast, the second time for you here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Well, I know you've been out there, uh, you're traveling around, uh, you're always involved in the music scene, and right now podcasting is big. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, because I want to know about some of the nuances with publishing yeah, and podcasting. But, absolutely. But, uh, I mean, we're really here to talk about uh, some of the creative, uh, the creative process today. Uh, last time you were in, we talked about some of the nuances on the publishing world and some of the ASCAPs of where uh, income is derived but uh, you want to get into a little bit of the creative process here in town, the co-writes, and and, and how this town really operates and how a lot of music hubs in the United States operate, and that's really through songwriting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, the creative process is something that I think about all the time. Uh, I think about it a lot Uh, in uh, my role as a performing rights organization professional all those years I had the opportunity to meet hundreds hundreds of writers and you know they come to you in various um uh, stratas of experience if you will so you know you would have people come in and say listen to these songs do you think that I'm on the right track then you would be working with people that had had commercial success, and um, you know they just wanted your take on uh, what they were writing now. Um, but the reality of it is that um, I think the creative process and having some forethought, if you set out to be a songwriter, I think it's uh, I think it's really important, and I don't think people do it enough, actually. Um, you know, one of the things that I've always been intrigued by is that I'm completely immersed in and passionate about music, and I've been that way since I was a kid. And so uh, working with songwriters, one of the things I ask myself is, is like, you know what what really differentiates these professionally written songs from the songs that people will just write? To satisfy themselves, right? Uh, songs that um, you know don't have a chance to be commercial, don't have a chance to be exploited. You know, maybe uh, maybe they're not even understandable in some way. But I mean, certainly people have the uh, right and ability to create those songs for themselves. So, what differentiates them? And I think that I think that, that part of the creative process is figuring out. Exactly. What am I trying to communicate, and um, what does a great song sound like? Um, well, that's hard. That's subjective too. But
1: everybody knows a great song.
0: I, exactly. There's a there's an old saying in the radio business. Even an idiot can hear a hit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's uh, that's true. Well, is that
1: still appropriate in this town right now? <laughs> I, I, I,
0: well, I think you know. It's interesting you say that because. I would have a lot of writers that had never had any radio activity come to me, and they'd say, listen to these songs. Now, you honestly can tell me that what you hear on the radio is better than this song. And then they proceed to play you something that really wasn't viable at all. And you tell all. them right away? Do you and say, I well, like, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, you, did, you <laughs> didn't hear the 10,000 songs that got listened to before you know the, the songs you hear on the radio were cut. Yeah, uh, and had become successful. So, I was never one of those people to say that stuff that's on the radio is no good. It's actually the top one percent of songs that have been created and submitted mm-hmm. a, a, across the you know across the industry. So, no, I, I've always been a, a, a fan of radio. Now, that's not to say that there aren't gatekeepers that's not to say that there's not some stuff on the radio that doesn't appeal to me or doesn't appeal to you uh but on the whole those if you're talking about country radio those songs that you're hearing are the best crafted songs that are available that's just the way the business works and a lot of it is trend
1: uh following trends too isn't that the case with a lot of the creative process today
0: i think so I think that, um, I look at it this way, so I, I try to, th- ha- having heard thousands of songs, worked with hundreds of writers, I try to figure out, okay, what's, what's the commonality? What, what makes a song great? And I, and I think that there are a couple things that you can point to, regardless what the song is. I think that if they're intensely personal, I think that's, that's a real plus. But there's this little alchemy that happens where they have to be intensely personal, but they also have to be universal. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, then you probably don't identify them as a great song. And and there are hundreds, thousands of examples of this kind of alchemy out there. I mean, when you listen to a song that somebody's written about their, um, their aunt, or or their cousin, uh, that's probably intensely personal, mm-hmm. but it's not very universal. You know, I mean, so uh, it's probably too specific. It's probably uh, just a personal song that somebody created, or like a song and, about your dog Skippy, right? Exactly. <laughs> For that's 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 personal. That yeah. may not necessarily be universal. Yes. Um, so what a songwriter, what a successful songwriter does is, I mean, let's face it. I mean, this is all about storytelling. Yeah. So, uh, and if you think back to the last five stories you were told that you remember, Mm -hmm. um, there were probably some component components of that story that you latched onto. So if you look at songwriting as storytelling, First, you got to start with a decent story. Yeah. Otherwise, people are you know you're not going to have people's attention for very long. So, uh, and then if you happen to be skillful enough to say, okay, well, here's a story. It's interesting. It's specific. It's personal, uh, but it's also universal because I can point out the stuff in this story that would mean something to a lot of listeners, a lot of people. So, you know, it sounds kind of nerdy, kind of egg-headed to talk about the creative process in this way. But in reality, I think that when you start dissecting why we like certain songs or why certain songs are successful... Um, I I think it's beneficial um, But the key is the universal uh, the, the universal, universal, universal recognition of
1: Recognition and you know To touch somebody on a universal scale I'm going to think of a song Right off the top of my head Which I think is yeah. a great song mm-hmm. Live Like You Were Dying Right? Is that a Absol- universal song? Absolutely It affects everyone it's Death, a- early it's, death it's Mortality abso-
0: It's absolutely intensely personal And it's also universal Yeah uh, that's a that's a great example I think it's one of the best songs written in this town in 40 years yeah uh, and I um yeah I, I think that it that fits the bill um it's also um, you know it's kind of um, it's kind of advice it's kind of um, inspiration it's kind of um, uh, well it has, touches, it touches on so
1: many different emotions correct right correct so and, I mean and you're in your, in your Background. I mean, and obviously you've worked with songwriters that were at the very entry level beginning stages. And then you uh, elevate to some of the bigger ones. And then, you know, you have your superstar uh, songwriters who you also have been affiliated with. Mm -hmm. Do you remember specifically a time when you were evaluating a song where you heard something that may have not been cut yet for the first time and you said, that's a freaking hit? I mean, it's a big one. Is there any uh, in in your history? Yeah,
0: mo- most of the stuff that um, most of the stuff that Sam and Annie Tate wrote that became very recognizable, big commercial hits, and they they wrote several of them with Dave Berg, but mm-hmm. uh, songs like "Live Like You Were Dying," they were or, involved or in that moments, process, right? Or, wow. Yeah, so I heard That's those. great song, I heard man. the I heard those songs before wow. you know they were cut. And um, but those folks were and are at the top of their game. Yeah. So and I I actually my experience with working with writers at that level actually I know and have heard numerous songs that never have been cut Mm -hmm. that are just as good as those songs. They're just they're strong. Those guys those folks are are master storytellers and. so we got storytelling, we've got personal, we've got universal. And here's, so here's the next key. So that's kind of along the lines of lyrical, mm-hmm. right? So then you have to uh, move into the, to, to the realm of how are you going to communicate it. And we communicate these stories with music. And so that's a whole nother level of how you'll communicate this story you're telling. You know, uh, what kind of melody will you use? You know, what, what kind of meter? What is the feel right? And you, you mentioned emotions. Mm-hmm. So the brain science associated with music and humans is that we respond to certain melodies. We respond to certain frequencies. We res- respond to certain meters, uh, and so uh, I've, you know, I've, I've done a lot of thinking about the idea that it's what makes this um, ubiquitous? What makes this so compelling? Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that somebody married a great idea, a great story, um, you know, a uh, universal truth with this experience that we have which is musical, too. Yeah. So that's why I say alchemy. I mean, it, everything has to work in in uh, concert, no pun intended, with with everything else.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, so, and in this town, it's, uh, you know, people are writing at this very minute.
0: Yep. And, and
1: buildings all over Nashville right now. Yep. Trying to create that process. Do you think a lot of them go in, I mean, with this... Concept or knowledge, or they're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants or skirt or whatever to write songs, but uh, the education process of learning the nuances uh, of crafting a song that could be universally embraced. Do you think that there's a, a missing piece when it comes to the education of these writers going into it, or are these major publishers in town, are they trying to get that message across to these uh, writers that they're signed to, uh, well, to their companies? I, yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think that um, there, there are a lot of different kinds of writers. There are people that are uh, just master craftsmen um that can craft a lyric and you know you can give them an idea and in 30 minutes they can tell you the story based on the idea mm-hmm. in such a way as to be you know buttoned up tight uh and it's and it impacts you and then there are writers out there that are really they write at a different level they're 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 gifted um they're you know we call them geniuses but The fact of the matter is that they don't... Sometimes they don't work very hard for it. They just... It's a gift. They're channeling it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like... If you talk to uh, great writers that are called genius, um, they'll even tell you that I feel like that song... I channeled that song. I, I was gifted that song. That song came from somewhere else. I, I wrote it in 15 minutes, that kind of yeah. thing. You know, so there are those folks out there. But then there are the folks that have honed their craft. You know, they've taken a look at song structure. They've, they've looked at, um, you know, should this be a shuffle or uh, what feels right. And they've, you know, they've married the music with the lyric and... They work really hard to get a concise communication, you know, through to the, the listener. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that the publishers are looking for, you know, it's kind of like you know, uh, art and pornography. You know, you can't really describe it, but you know it when you see it. Yeah, right. True. So I think music publishers know when they. Are in the presence of somebody that can write a song, mm-hmm. a song that could be commercially accepted, right.
1: and so. that's the that's the goal: is to get that song cut, right. get that song on radio, and move it up the chart, and right. uh, then you know exploit the publishing opportunities that go along with the hit songs. And right. in today's day and age, and you've been around mm-hmm. uh, and seen the evolution of marketing of the songs and the distribution, and how do you get the The best uh, how do you exploit the song in the best possible way? and of course, we're in an era where things are changing constantly so in and I know you do a lot of research and you do a lot of like you keep up with the trends, you keep your pulse on what's going on uh, in the in the community, in the writing community in the publishing community. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the new marketing approaches that uh, unless you sure. have something more to say sure, about no. some of the some of the, crafting oh, oh, well, of the I song. Can, I can I know
0: you could go on from, I can talk right. for days on just the creative process yeah and, but today and there's how magical it is and it's um you know it's something that um, you know it's it, it's just really special I think you have to be in awe of it I mean from a from a, from a business standpoint I always tell people it's like I would not work, if I were a creator, if I were a songwriter, if I were an artist, I wouldn't work with anybody in, on the business side that I didn't think was in awe of what I was doing. Yeah, uh, I think that you, you have to be passionate about music or you have to be passionate about storytelling or songs uh, in order to be in this business. And I, I think that anybody that isn't um, should find something else to to market or sell (laughs) but that's just me um yeah i mean the, the industry has been completely disrupted uh and that's not necessarily a bad thing um i happen to think that there are many 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 more opportunities for people to exploit in the in the in the good sense of the word exploit what it is they do Ultimately, what you're trying to do is you're just trying to uh, gain audience and you're trying to um, engage people in what it is you're putting out there. And, you know, there used to be a lot of gatekeepers, quite frankly. I mean, you, you, if you were a writer or an artist or a songwriter or a singer-songwriter, whatever you identified as, uh, you would probably start, when you get to a certain point, you would start chasing a record label, somebody mm-hmm. that will make recordings of what it is you do, uh, and then they will help you market that in the marketplace. That really doesn't exist that much anymore. I mean, there are, obviously, there are thousands of labels out there, um, and um, they're still kind of doing... A&R, they're still kind of looking around for things to release uh, in the same way that they did, you know, 40 years ago. But you don't necessarily have to go down that path. I mean, with the advent of digital, I mean, not only can you record, uh, but you can also, you know, kind of fix your songs in a form that is... um, that's enjoyable for people to listen to. Uh, you can uh, distribute those songs in a, in a, on a myriad of platforms, um, and you can do that work yourself. And I think that I call it owning your own ecosystem. And, and that's, um, that's pretty compelling for, for singer-songwriters and for, for artists. My recommendation to people that are just getting started would be that um, a recognize you know school yourself and school yourself enough to know that uh, you own everything, lock, stock, and barrel, mm-hmm. to the extent you work. So understand that you own it all. So now, when you get in the position of it's all been fixed in a form, it's 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 uh, it's ready to go out as a recording uh, that. Understand that if you choose a digital distributor and you're going to put it out there to the masses, uh, you should probably build in some ways in which you're compensated for that stuff. Of course. And so if that means if you're going to try to get on uh, a certain number of playlists at a service like Spotify, then you should do the back office required to be signed up with SoundExchange, which will eventually pay you for the performances that you have via that stream, Uh, and so you'll be paid as the person that owns the master, as well as, uh, you know, you can find money um, associated with uh, writing the underlying song.
1: You think that's a missing piece for a lot of these young aspiring kids today, who are putting their songs up on all these platforms without doing that back-end work that you say?
0: Right, right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that people just want to – people want their work out there. People want to be heard. um, Instant gratification. (laughs) Yeah, maybe a little bit. But um, I I think that um, so long as people haven't taken it upon themselves to distribute your work, any royalties that might be generated – don't go into a black bo- black box somewhere, yeah. Uh, so that you would have trouble getting them back. But no, I think that uh, you know it's probably at this point it's probably more impactful uh, to get on a playlist from one of the uh, streaming uh, providers than it is to pay an independent uh, record promoter to promote your song at at a particular radio station or a group of radio stations by genre
1: which is never cost effective for a lot of people just starting out
0: it's not it's not and um so you know you would probably find ways entree into uh, the streaming services so that you could say you know hey here's here's what i'm doing i think it would be great for this particular playlist or um and, and and you may find that you get a lot more traction and your music is heard by more folks than um, in a shorter period of time than the time it takes you to get the attention of the gatekeepers at radio. Mm -hmm. So that's that's just one opportunity. Of course, people have the opportunity to create video channels via YouTube. People that use YouTube in this manner, but I think it was kind of a secret three or four years ago that there's a massive trend of music listening at the video yeah. channels, yes. you know I mean? Um, that's where, you know, uh, people of a certain generation, younger folks, that's where they find all their music. That's where they do their music YouTube. discovery. Yeah. Is YouTube.
1: Yeah, it, it, it really yeah. it was enlightening for me too because yeah. when, you know, being in the business you ask people. And then, you know, when I when I ask some of the younger kids, when I let's say when I go back home to New York and I hang out with my nephew and his friends or whatever, yeah. I always ask them how do you consume your music? Yeah. And they're always saying YouTube yeah. before anything else. Yeah. Because it's free for one. Yep. Uh, you know, It's not a subscription service like a Spotify. They don't have time for radio. Right. It's like, to the kids today, what is radio? I mean, radio. they don't even listen to radio yeah. anymore. But YouTube is like this hidden thing where I think people in the know know that YouTube is a great way to explore your music, yeah. but what is the the monetization part of it when it comes to a YouTube versus a Spotify uh, versus a Pandora, for example, versus terrestrial radio, satellite radio? How does the YouTube model fit into the place where someone can actually monetize it and earn a living or try to make a little bit of money from the song they put up?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, they've made provisions through the MPA as far as uh, streaming uh, videos containing music. So the underlying works are compensated. Uh, it's basically a percentage of advertising uh, that so you, would But you have to sign up first. Don't so you have to yeah, sign up you, for that you, model? you absolutely have to approach them, mm-hmm. right, and you have to say, hey, this is my – I mean, there's a whole – a uh, series of takedown notices, so that um, you know they they're very they're adamant about not running advertising on streams that may contain copyrighted works. Mm-hmm. So there's a um, you know there's a whole process by which they have you go through in order to identify as the copyright holder. But once that's done, then you, you can derive income. You know, once they uh, prove the fact that this is your
1: song yep. and you're not exploiting anyone else's yep. copyright, if you want to monetize it, then you, you know,
0: there'll be a pre-roll ad yep. that plays before your song does. Absolutely. But you're going to get compensated for that. You're going to get a piece of that, exactly. Yeah. So, And that's, that's the direction that, that um, the publishers have chosen to go at this point. I mean, that's not the only direction. I mean, there's going to be um, uh, there's going to be a music collective coming on board in two years, which is going to further help creators monetize their work on the uh, on the streaming services. So that that'll be beneficial. Um, there's also, you know, to say that um, these transactional Paths that have been created for rights holders to get their money. Uh, that's not to say they're the end-all, be-all. I mean, you, there are a number of different ways in which you can monetize your songs, monetize your masters, your works. Uh, a lot of people are really into sync licensing these days, uh, which is essentially syncing up the music that you create with a brand or uh, a film or uh, some kind of content where it's actually required that they take a license from you and pay you. So um, I should think that if you want to own your own ecosystem, you should also educate yourself about how users consume production users, not mm-hmm. not end users, not, the not consumer, consumer not consumers, right, but, but companies. How, how companies that are creating content how they consume. Your work, yeah, uh, and typically that triggers a license fee that you can that you can get, and you can get it direct. I mean, that, that's it's not uncommon for production companies that are creating content to license masters and the underlying work for sync directly with the people that created it. Mm-hmm. Not uncommon at all. You just have to know that it exists, and you got to do your homework and find out who to get to. Exactly, LinkedIn it, it, is probably a good place for that. Exactly, um, yeah. I think you also uh, are going to want to uh, be a member. Of, I mean, you're going to be want you're going to want to be registered at Sound Exchange. Mm-hmm. You're going to be want to be registered and all your work at ASCAP, BMI, CSAC. But that's not where it stops. You actually have to be proactive about. This is where these performances took place, or this is the this is the show that used thirty seconds of my record on their mm-hmm. piece of content. Uh, so you got to be proactive about it, but in essence, all you've done is you've basically learned to become a music publisher uh, yourself and continue to own the rights versus signing a publishing deal and giving. 100 percent or 50 percent of your ability to make money to a publisher so they would do that work for you so that's, but we've lapsed into talking about the minutiae of the business again instead of talking about the magic of uh,
1: this, the, create, the creative the creative <laughs> of, process. Crea-
0: of creativity right right mm-hmm.
1: No, no I, I, you know, I'm a marketing guy, so I always to talk about the marketing part of it. But, I yeah. mean, yeah, if you want to backtrack, I mean, we can do that. I mean, I I don't want you to uh, leave here thinking that we missed uh, an opportunity to kind of yeah, explain no. that creative
0: process again. No, I, I just think that people need to be aware of, uh, you know, if you want, I mean, I'm struck by how many people write songs and put in time, but then they, they feel as if, they need some or verification that they're a songwriter. Mm-hmm. It's like you only need that if you're going to try to be a commercial songwriter. If you want to, you know, if you want to have the next um, Toby Keith cut, yeah, maybe maybe you um, uh, you need some validation from people inside the business that might be listening for him. Uh, but if you just want to write a song about about your aunt. Uh, Knock yourself out, you know, because that that history tells us that storytelling, we're all um, deeply, deeply connected to it. Uh, The music industry just happens to be one form in which people tell stories. And if you find that you're reasonably adept at telling a story through music, there's nothing that should keep you from doing that. For the next twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years. Right? Yeah,
1: I mean that's kind of if you look at the history of the industry, and yeah. I, I watched a fascinating documentary, the Ken Burns Country Music documentary, and right, I haven't the, seen it yet. No. It's amazing, yeah, but yeah. The, just but what you're saying, I mean, you can write a song about your aunt, or you could write a song. <laughs> but back in the day, you know, leading up to this point mm-hmm. of where we are today. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is exactly the way it used to be. It wasn't to exploit it on radio. It was like, if you want to go that road, then you go visit radio stations one by one and try to cut uh, a record. But for the most part, it was at these little jamborees and these little family gatherings where people would just kind of pick in and playing and People write.
0: wrote songs to tell stories. I mean, it's been that way for as long as there have been instruments and stories. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, there's a whole tradition of... Of, of folk music, uh, folk tunes, and then you've got the blues. I mean, it's just all communicating stories through music, and it's um, it's a fascinating thing, and it's it's a it's a wonderful thing. It's 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 magical, and sometimes I get a little tired of 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 people passing judgment on songs. You know, it's like, really, it's a song. It it was meant to, you know, evoke some. Reaction or emotion in you. And if it didn't, go to to the next next one. one. (laughs) Go to the next one. There's several million of them out there. Absolutely. That's true. Well,
1: this has been educational for me. um, Mm. And uh, I'm sure the the people listening will find it fascinating as well. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy and appreciate your insights on, on the whole publishing world. And I'm sure we're going to have you back for another episode down the road. And who knows what we'll talk about. Uh, there's always something to chat about here at the Twango podcast. And Greg is certainly an encyclopedia and a wealth of knowledge when it comes to every aspect in the publishing genre. So, uh, Greg Riggle, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll see you real soon. Thanks. All right. This is John Alexander for the Twango podcast. We'll see you next time.